If you love talking about cats, but your friends and family are kind of over it, this is the podcast for you. Join your hosts, Danielle Stray-Wooley and Elizabeth calico Gearhart on the Jersey Podcasts, where everyday cat lovers share funny stories, challenging situations, and ask their questions about cats. All right, let's get right into this episode. Hi, everybody. I'm Danielle Woolley. And I'm Elizabeth Gearhart. And we are the Jersey Podcats. I'm not doing oh. it this time because last time I was so off that it distracted okay. me. And then <laughs> okay. I still called every time. That's going to be my like little quirk, I think. <laughs> okay. Well, um, so we have an amazing guest today, Melanie Savage, all the way from Ottawa, Ontario, Canada, and a topic we have not discussed before. Right, Danielle? Right. So we're going to jump right in with Melanie. Melanie is a social worker and she's found herself getting assigned to the cases where the people have cats. So there must be some sort of cosmic connection there. Uh, And she's going to talk a little bit about what that's like to work with people in need of social services who have cats in their house. So welcome, Melanie. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Oh, it's our pleasure. So what is it like? Like, what do you do? So I am first and foremost, I've been a proud cat mom since the age of four. She's Um, like, let me just set the street, like (laughs) make a street. I have had cats since I was four. I am now 37. (laughs) And, um, and so I, I just, I love cats. I love talking about cats, everything cats, which I'm pretty sure friends and family by now are sick and tired of, but it's fine. Cause I, I have no shame. Hey, you know what? I know a podcast that you can totally be on for people whose friends and family are sick of them talking about cats. Yeah. Okay. Hosted by Danielle. <laughs> exactly. Um, so yeah, I, I am a registered social worker uh, based out of Ottawa, Ontario, Canada, Um, I've been in the world of social work for 17 years, and for the last, I would say, nine, I've worked in community mental health, supporting individuals um, in case management, Um, and those individuals are often um, experiencing severe and persistent mental illness and, at times, uh, substance use disorders. And so I would say even throughout the 17 years, most of the folks I've gotten to work with have had animals. But for some reason in my time with the agency I'm with now, I would say about 90 to 95% of folks have had cats. So it's amazing. Um, And so part of my role is meeting with people in community. And so when I meet with them in their homes, a lot of the work that I do in terms of building rapport um, and helping them with a lot of goals, I try to include their animals. And so You know, I like to ask about, you know, tell me about your relationship with your animal. When did you get your cat? Um, You know, what does your cat, you know, mean to you? And, and often like their faces just light up. They get so excited to talk about their cats and they're such proud cat parents. Um, And, and so it's just a really good way to make that connection with folks. And um, if the cats are usually a really big motivator for moving forward with recovery. And so I try as much as possible to to bring that relationship to the forefront of a lot of our work. Um, a lot of the folks that, yeah, a lot of the folks that I get to work with, they're, they're low income. So uh, significantly right. marginalized. Um, some folks are experiencing houselessness. Um, some folks are, you know, precariously housed. 
And, and so, you know, on Ontario disability or social assistance, um, so really struggle with um, the accessibility and affordability of veterinary care, um, and sometimes actually have to forego their own human health care uh, goals because they don't have anybody in their life to um, provide respite care. Um, wow. So, for example, if someone has to go into an inpatient program to stabilize on medication, or someone wants to address, you know, uh, their eating disorder or substance misuse, they can't because they have no one to take care of their cat um, or dog if they have a dog. And, and so they forego that support for themselves. Um, wow. So they, they face very unique circumstances. That is unusual. Um, I've just always had someone around that could take care of the cats when I had to be gone, which is nice. But I empathize with them because we've had power outages and I've stayed home with the cats rather than go somewhere else. Because yeah. I felt like I needed to take care of them and froze to death, practically. <laughs> but, mm -hmm. um, but I can also see, Melanie, that you are really a cat magnet because I have never seen so many of Danielle's cats. Well, as I was I'm trying not to smile because you were talking about something serious. You, what you just witnessed was I heard it before I saw it. I heard Tony crying and he's usually a quiet one. And that's how I know they're picking on him. And then you saw Loki oh. hunting him behind him. So yeah. Loki is chasing him back and forth. Just, right. I guess because he's bored because I've been on meetings all day. And I, and I never usually see that much of the cats, but it That's is awesome. Yeah. I mean, cats are much easier than dogs because they hardly eat anything. Right. And they don't need a lot, although they do need veterinary care sometimes. So do you think that's why more people have cats or do you think that you just are drawn to the cat ones? Honestly, I think I might just be drawn to them. I don't know, but I love it. Um, it's, I, because right now I don't have a cat in my life. So, um, Tika passed away late 2021. And then a few months later I adopted Winston. Um, and I only had Winston for just shy of one year and he passed away in May this year, very suddenly. And so I haven't been ready to, um, to adopt yet. And I'm, I'm thinking about fostering. Yeah. I think, I think I'm ready to foster. Um, so when I get mm. to see these folks, I get my cat fixed through them. So I'm not sure if it's because cats are are cheaper or um, less less timely in terms of taking care of them, not having to, to leave the house. I think I might just be drawn to those folks with cats because a lot of my colleagues work with a lot of folks with dogs. Oh, that's hmm. interesting. So you're the lucky one then. Uh, very much so. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, dogs, yeah, dogs can be scary. Cats are usually pretty good. They either like you or they run away. <laughs> yeah. I mean, cats are unapologetically themselves, right? They've got yeah. great boundaries for themselves. Um, and so that's why I've always gravitated to cats. So yeah. Yeah. And they are a huge comfort. So like if, especially for people that are in those situations where they're going through a rough time in their life for a while, just having a cat to just kind of hang out with and be there and just like you can pet them, they purr and it just, it's a lot of help, I think. Yeah. And I know that I've had instances where I've been yelling around the house pretty demandingly saying, someone come love me. I'm sad or I'm, uh, you know, I'm having a rough day. And when they don't, I threaten them with bringing home another cat. So I'm like, somebody's, there's a lot in here. Somebody come snuggle right now. Yeah. <laughs> and I yeah. think for a lot of the folks that I work with, they don't have a lot of trusted allies, whether, you know, it's friends or family. And so 
you know, a lot of folks also have significant histories of trauma. And so Mm -hmm. the idea of um, breaking down that wall for new people is so much harder than bringing an animal into their lives. And so, you know, cats, the purring, right? That's a form of self-food for a lot of people when the cat lays on your chest or, or petting the cat, right? Um, I remember Tika just, you know, being by my side and she was so intuitive. And I think that's a really cool thing about cats is they're so intuitive to your mood. And so for a lot of folks that I work with that struggle with anxiety or depression or uh, are triggered uh, from from certain things, the cats are a really great uh, way to help ground them and soothe them. And it's just it's often one of the most secure connections and relationships that they have. Yeah, I believe that. What's the most interesting cat that you've met through one of your, do you call them patients or clients or community um, members? So clients, yeah. I have, I've often used clients. Um, I'm trying to think. I mean, most of them have been really lovely. Um, they Like super friendly, but um, I've got one individual whose cat is really good at like, I've had enough, like back off, walk away. That sounds like <laughs> me. I've never you guys run the episode. I'm done by. <laughs> I've never been hissed at by by someone's cat. Oh, that's um, good. I've never been I've never been slapped. Um, that's all my own cat. My my cat was like the wild child menace of of the world. So um, I feel lucky that I've I've had folks with cats that have been quite pleasant. <laughs> yeah, that is nice. Well, they probably know you're there to help, right? Mm-hmm. And so they're gonna get along with you. So. Well, Danielle, you had a story about a cat comforter. Do you want to tell that story? A cat comforter. Well, well, I had a story about, yes, thank you for reminding me, the conversation from a whole 10 minutes ago that I forgot. (laughs) So so I have a family member that does hospice, and one of her patients had a cat that was very old, you know, and if she's in hospice, you know, the woman, what, yep, my cat's in the background again, <laughs> hunting again. I'm waiting for Tony to fly by. I go, that's the noise he makes. He sounds like a little baby. Um, but, she, you know, her patient and the husband, like, you know, her cat was with her all the time. And the husband said, like, I don't know, like, if I'll be able to care for this cat as much as my wife did. Like, I would love to find it a loving home. So then... The hospice nurse uh, accidentally brought the cat home and kept it. <laughs> um, but what was interesting is they took the cat for you know a checkup at the vet and nothing was wrong with the cat. The cat was completely fine. Um, and shortly thereafter, the cat, you know, didn't make it any longer. So, like, there's something there about how maybe the cat was hiding it or faking it and really wasn't, but was kind of hanging on there for its its family member. Um, They're so good at that. Yeah, or but she they, died of a broken heart. I mean, yeah, maybe. Well, I but she kid- knew that the hospice nurse was like, "This is the one one that's gonna like take me home and let me be okay." Yeah. So that's another I, thing too. In in um, I, I see it a little bit oh, in Canada. Um, <laughs> you're losing your headphones there. Go <laughs> back. For those who are not watching on YouTube and listening on the podcast, she's, you know, very animated speaking and her <laughs> pod just keep flying out of her ear. Oh, dear. Um, in Canada, I think over the last couple of years, um, there's been a new charity that's come out that's across Canada. It's called My Grandfather's Cat, and it's specific for hospice 
um, patients or individuals who have passed on that are older. And it's about rehoming, giving a second forever chance to to the cat. Um, And so that's something that I've actually come across um, in in the last year or so I've seen um, on social media, um, because that's that's a huge reality. Yeah. 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 And we've had. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. We've had um, episodes where we've spoken about like planning, like obviously everyone wants to live till they're 500 years old, but that's just not reality. Like, what is your plan of something? Unfortunately, a lot of families think like, oh, my family will take my cats in and being involved with rescue. That's not the case. We get more than one time a week contacted from people. Someone passed. We need to rehome. We can't keep it for reason X, Y, Z, or the cats are living in the home vacant while we're waiting for the house to sell. Is there anything you can do? So it's really, really, really important to have things in place. And like you were just saying too, uh, Melanie, is that, you know, you have your your clients that want to get better, but then they don't have care for their their cats. Like what what do you recommend to them? Or are there any resources or ideas for people in such a situation? So I'm actually doing my master's right now. And that was a focus for a few of my projects. Um, I did a research project on the lack of accessibility to um, respite care for marginalized populations that don't fit a specific mold. So for instance, in Ottawa, there are a number of resources um, for individuals like victims of domestic violence. Um, but a lot of my clients don't fit that criteria. And so then there isn't accessible and available and affordable respite care. I mean, if I wanted to go on a vacation and I needed, you know, a cat hotel, I don't know that I would be able to afford that uh, if I was going for an extended period of time. And these folks that need inpatient treatment, for example, sometimes that's upwards of 30 days. And so that's not readily available across the board here. Um, There is, you know, one or two uh, charities right now that offer um, short-term boarding for for these types of circumstances, but I don't think it's enough to really cover the the demand for population that really does want to, um, quote-unquote, get better and and access the health care that they really need. Based on your experience, do you have any recommendations for like how people could approach that topic? So like if somebody was in need of help, whether it was like needing a mental break or needing to get health care or, you know, needing to go to an inpatient program for a set amount of time. Like how do you even open that conversation and ask for help? What have you seen successful? Um, So with... With the agency that I work with, we've partnered quite closely with a local charity called Community Veterinary Outreach. Um, And a lot of workers will kind of reach out to them um, to seek some guidance in terms of what they know might be available and if they have any funds uh, available to or any connections in the community to to provide that relief for clients. Um, you know, some folks will reach out to the local Humane Society as well. Um, they have a, um, a short term, I think it's about a week um, opportunity. Um, I know some vet think- offices do too, but it's cost it's costly. Yeah, so I don't, it's not something that I think a lot of workers in my organization um, have had a lot of luck with, unfortunately, I think we have a ways to go. Um, And so I'm hoping that there's more conversation um, that can happen over the next while to to identify this, this population that doesn't meet the criteria of domestic violence, right? Who's being left left out. 
Yeah. Um, maybe someone listening pop- too yeah, can that, give some suggestions. That's a tough population to serve, I think, because there's stigma around it and there really shouldn't be. Um, but that's one reason yeah. why we're doing this podcast is to build a community of people. So if I told Danielle tomorrow, oh my gosh, can you watch my cats, my three cats for a week? She would probably do it. Right, Danielle? Sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I would do, I would take care of hers. I don't know. She, don't, uh, don't let that word get out though. Cause I do <laughs> no. have quite a few people who have already reached out to me over the next few weeks see, for help. See, see what I'm talking about. But, but I mean, if you can get a community together where people are willing to help each other yeah. and step in and an emergency, then I think community building is the best way to do that. And I mean, it is, it is hard if you're in a bad life situation but you need your pets more than ever, right? If you're in a bad yeah. life situation. Um, I think, I think Elizabeth too, you, you touched on something was the stigma and there's a lot of, there's a, a strong societal discourse and it's also prevalent within social work that these individuals that are struggling with mental health, you know, substance misuse, um, homelessness, that kind of thing. There's this perception that they, they don't deserve to have, a cat, for example, like right. my, they would, they would say my clients don't deserve to have their cats because if they're not well enough or they can't afford uh, the necessary vet care, then they shouldn't have them. But right. in the last two years in my MSW studies, I've read a lot of research about um, homeless and at risk of being homeless populations, having animals in their lives. And the research does demonstrate that a lot for a lot of these folks, their animals are as well taken care of and sometimes even better um, than the general population because they will do whatever it takes uh, to be there for their animal. And so mm-hmm. um, I'm actually this week starting a uh, placement for seven months with a local um, charity called Community Veterinary Outreach. And and it really does support those individuals who are experiencing homelessness or, or at risk of, of losing their housing, um, who have cats, who have dogs, and they provide pro bono veterinary care and also yes. provide some primary health care at their at their vet clinics. Wow, that's so cool. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's, on one hand, it's awful that it's come to the need for that, you know, but mm-hmm. it's great that people have recognized and put resources in place to help for that type of situation. Yeah. So yeah. have you ever encountered something really funny or unusual when you've gone in and talked to some of these cats and cat people? Talk to the cats because we talk know you to talk the to cats. the cats first before you talk. To- <laughs> I, do, I, I do. I do. There's some folks I'll walk in and I'll be like, how's my pseudo daughter? <laughs> and, um, and, and folks love it. But the cats sometimes will come right up to me. I've got there's one cat who traditionally up until I think like two weeks ago would kind of keep her distance would let me pet her but all of a sudden two weeks ago just flopped on her back and let me pet her belly and I was like oh I've I've made it in life this is it (laughs) this is what I've lived for um and so I don't I haven't had any like quirky or, or really funny kind of scenarios just just really good interactions with cats and watching that interaction or that relationship between clients and, and their cats is it's a privilege to be able to be a part of that. Yeah. And I can understand yeah. what you're saying about for some people like using their animal, not using them, but leveraging their animal as building a relationship with them to say like, Hey, like obviously I'm here to help you. This is for you. Um, but what about your pet? Like that's your life too. How can that help bring you to your, you know, goal or finish line, whatever it is that they're working to re- to recover from? 
And well, that's think- the thing is, is as I often will say, you know, I want to help you maintain this relationship for as long as possible until the animal is ready, you know, to pass on. I want to help you in whatever way I can. Is that through a referral to community vet outreach? Um, you know, what do you need in your home to 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 maintain that relationship? Sometimes I'm out buying kitty litter. Um, sometimes it's it's you know helping them find a more affordable option for for cat food. Yeah, and I think yeah. the reason that these cats are so important to people that are going through difficult times, anybody, not just the people that you're dealing with is sometimes you can feel like, oh, everybody hates me. Nobody loves me. You know, I'm unlovable, blah, blah, blah. But your cat always loves you. <laughs> and, and and they can sense that when you're feeling that way, right? Very much so. I think, I guess I have this, this perception that we kind of present two selves in the world. So we present the self that is socially acceptable to everyone, right? And then you get to come home and you get to be your true authentic self with your cat. Yes, right. Exactly. They, they don't judge you. I mean, for the most part, most cats won't judge you. Mine did, but it's fine. They give um, you judgy eyes, though. <laughs> yeah. Um, but they're just there, right? Like they just they love you wholeheartedly. And I think for for folks that I get to work with, that's super important. Yeah. Well, I think Max, who's not on the wall behind me, he and Mercutio, who's my twelve year old, he's the one in the like little Lord Fauntleroy outfit there. <laughs> They're in competition over me. And so I'll be sitting on the sofa and Kushi will be sitting next to me and Max will be laying on the floor and he'll just be looking at me with like this simmering look in his eyes, just like laser focus. Like, what are you doing? Letting him sit next to you. It's so Aww. funny. I know. Yeah. He's a crazy now, little kid. I like to ask each episode and I've gotten a little lax trying to like pick and choose episodes. So it's not so repetitive. But it sounds like you're doing some really cool things. It's We know you love cats. What is something you're excited about either in life or, you know, related to cat stuff? There's, I mean, there's a lot. So I'm, I'm finishing up my master's degree in at the end of March next year. Um, I'm hoping to actually open private practice by summer oh, um, to really, su- thank you, to support folks with pet loss. Um, when I went through that with Tika, I looked in Ottawa and there wasn't really anyone that specifically focused on, on pet loss. And that was, that was hard for me um, because I genuinely believe there's a difference between traditional therapy and companioning somebody through their grief. And so I think that's an untapped niche, at least here that I'd like to kind of offer up. Um, But I think in supporting marginalized pet parents for, for so many years, that grief support is not, readily accessible to them. And so I'd like to find ways of of having that available for them, whether it's through, you know, providing pro bono um, support to different agencies who who work with folks with with cats or, or dogs. Um, but also I like how you say or dogs. <laughs> or, or dogs you yeah, know. we'll let the dogs come <laughs> in too. <laughs> uh, yeah. Or or you know, even supporting workers in the community. I've had a few really meaningful conversations with other professionals saying, We need this, we don't know what to say, we don't know what to do. We just know that most of our folks have animals and we want to be able to support them when they no longer have their animals, whether it's because they've been forced to surrender, um, there's a home takeover, um, someone steals the animal, animal never comes home, or the animal passes on. Workers, I think, 
are thinking about it. They just don't have a platform or a go-to person or or whatever yet. And I'd like to maybe provide that in the future. That would be great. Yeah. You know, I'm still, we're still mourning checkers who died a year and a half ago. We will always mourn her because she was such a great Mm -hmm. cat. Um, That'll never go away, but at least, you know, we have people we can talk to and, and, you know, and Danielle and I are trying to build a cat community here. So if people want to talk about things like this, they can. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I can definitely say, I can definitely say I resonate with checkers um, in, in that, in that hearing you speak about speak about checkers i'm like oh that sounds a lot like tico holy cow someone else gets it (laughs) yeah yeah it's so hard but um yeah but i applaud you for what you're doing that is really cool that you're going to open your own practice next summer so yeah yeah well we thank you so much for reaching out and for being on the show um thank you episode or the podcast whatever we're calling it today i like to mix it up here (laughs) Um, and then we hope you join our Facebook community too, because, you know, mm-hmm. as we have more availability right now, it's been a little crazy. Um, but we know we want to keep leveraging community to help each other. You know, if somebody's got something weird going on with their cat or someone's looking for a resource or someone just wants to share, Hey, look at how adorable my cat is. Like you guys have seen the means of look at my cat, look at my cat. I do that at least 10 times a day. <laughs> so. I still do it. And I don't even have a cat. <laughs> so, well, we're here for it then. <laughs> yeah. Poor Danielle gets all my text pictures. Of my cats. Yeah. And then Just sometimes so I'm not sure if today. I answered. So, but yeah, I got did. one. I got like three today, I think so far. Elizabeth. Oh, did you get three already? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> oh, that's awful. Well, thank you again for being here. And thank um, you so much. We hope our listeners enjoyed. If you have any feedback or you want to chime in on the conversation, join us in our Facebook community. Visit us at thejerseypodcast.com as I forgot to turn off the noise on my computer. If you heard that, sorry. And um, we'll see you guys next time. Thanks a lot, Melanie. Thank you. (laughs) Thanks so much for listening. Let's keep the conversation going. Give this podcast a rating so other cat lovers can find it. Connect with the Jersey Podcasts on social media or visit thejerseypodcats.com and leave a message sharing a story or question about cats. Thanks again for joining us, and we'll catch you in the next episode.